One ranch had three herds in three separate pastures. Normally, their pregnancy percentage is about 92%. This year, two herds had above 90% pregnancy, but one herd had a 60% pregnancy. What's happening with this herd? Find out on today's Bovine Science with BCI, the Herd Health Edition. I've got Dr. Bob Larson with me. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning. We've got a great chance to discuss this case. And as you and I know, a lot of times reproduction is one of the big issues that herds face. And this is a pretty, I'm, I'm going to say shocking <laughs> problem that can occur. And we've both seen cases like this where everything's cruising along and all of a sudden we have a really low preg rate. What are some of the first things that start going through your mind in a case like that? Well, whenever I see a really low breed up, I, I immediately think of bulls because there's way fewer bulls in a pasture than cows and a single bull is going to take care of, you know, 30 or 40 pregnancies. Therefore, if we have a lot of open cows, I'm looking at the male side, not the female side. Especially if calving season's the same, we don't have a change in population. And, and in this case, it's mature cows in the pasture cruising along year after year, we expect a few opens, but also the level. What about the level? 40% open rate is huge. There's really only a couple of things on my rule out list when we have that many open cows. One is bull failure due to, you know, injury or, you know, sudden onset of fertility because of serious illness or something like that. Leaving the premises. Well, leaving the premises. <laughs> and, but then you start are we talking about a herd with a single bull or just two bulls? In which case, this could be a injury type of a situation. If it's a pasture with five or six bulls, something like that, now, you know, injury of a majority of the bulls seems unlikely. So then another possibility really raises its head, and that is trichomoniasis, a venereal disease that can cause a lot of open cows. Okay, so tell me a little bit about, and, and trichomoniasis or trick, as it's often referred to, tell me a little bit about trick and, and what, what are some of the things that I might think. Okay, so it's a venereal disease, meaning it's passed in the act of mating. It does not cause adult cattle to be ill in any way, so I don't detect any, any signs of sickness in the cows or the bulls. All I really see is open cows at preg check time. And it is, so when I say venereal disease, it's passed in the act of mating. It's a protozoa, and it lives on the surface of the prepuce and penis, as well as inside the female reproductive tract. And that's, of course, how it's passed. A positively infected cow will pass it to a naive bull in the act of mating, and then that bull, once he's infected, can pass it to a, a naive cow. And what we see then is the pregnancy actually is, is established and goes uh, through the first few weeks of development and then is lost in that first trimester of pregnancy typically. Okay. So in this herd that has a 40% open rate, you said probably on the male side, either through infectious disease, trick, or the injury to the males or some other problem that would have limited their breeding. What about other diseases like... IBR, herpes viruses, bovine viral diarrhea. There's some other, or lepto. Mm -hmm. there's, there's other things that we know causes abortion. How come they're not on your list? Well, there's two reasons. One is the magnitude. Those other causes of abortion, I would be shocked if we had a situation where it would cause 40% of the cows to be open. 
you know, a really bad IBR outbreak might be 10% of the herd. Uh, and so the magnitude really leans away from those more, uh, I would say more common causes. The other thing is what we're seeing with those IBR, Neospora, Lepto, some of those causes of abortion, you'll actually see aborted fetuses. And although that's possible with trichomoniasis, that's not common. What we'll typically see is that the pregnancy is lost early enough in pregnancy that all you see is basically at preg check time, the cow is open. Okay. And no sick cows. Yeah. No right? sick cows. In, in, this, her in yeah. this herd. So when we're at preg check time, we just discovered we have not seen sick cows. We've not seen aborted fetuses, but 40% of them are open. You gave me your differentials. What's my next diagnostic step? All right. So we're going to investigate the bulls. So we will get the bulls in that pasture and we can take a, a scraping sample of the pre penis and prepuce, submit that to the laboratory for a diagnostic test to identify trichomoniasis. And so we'll take a sample from every bull in the pasture and send that off to the lab and see what we get. You can test the cows, but it's not as sensitive a test. In other words, there can be more positive cows that don't show up just because of the timing of when I take my sample. So typically we talk about testing the bulls. Okay. So I'll add some information to the scenario now and tell you that there were actually three bulls in this pasture and you're going to send off and there's PCR, there's culture, there's a variety of tests that you can use. So you're sending it off to the D lab and let's say one of those bulls, one out of three comes back positive What's your next step or, or what's your, how do you interpret that result? Okay. Well, one of the things that a lot of veterinarians are familiar with is there are state regulations about managing this disease. And it's because it's a reportable disease in most states in that there are rules about moving bulls across state lines and sometimes moving cows across state lines. What I like to point out is that managing a disease from a regulatory standpoint is different than working up a case with a lot of abortions. So first of all, I kind of set aside the testing requirements for regulatory purposes, and that's, that's for a different day. Today, we're evaluating this herd, and if I have one bull in a three-bull pasture that has a venereal disease, I'm done testing, in that I assume all three bulls have a venereal disease because it's a venereal disease, and they're in the same pasture breeding the same cows. I consider them all to be test positive at that point. So even even though you, know, you talked about regulatory or sometimes we've talked about sending bulls to bull stud, you may test them multiple times, but you're testing in that case to prove that they're negative. Here, you thought they might be positive because of the history. One of them was positive. You're going to assume all three are positive. And so would you make your culling decision at that point or would you continue testing the other two? No, I would I would make my culling decision right then. I've determined that trichomoniasis is in the herd. The history fits it. Uh, I have a positive test. I assume all three bulls are positive. Okay. Uh, the only way a bull could be negative is if he hasn't been breeding any cows, which means he needs to be cold. <laughs> which means we probably don't want to keep him anyway. No, exactly. Yeah. So if there was a really valuable bull, could you be talked to? So if I said one of the three was actually really genetically important to us, can I do anything with this bull? Okay, there's, there's, I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. The first way is, is there a treatment that could be used to clear this bull? And the answer is no. And people might say, well, I've been on the internet and I know that in other parts of the world, uh, they have some treatments that are possibly effective. And one of the reasons that, there's two reasons I don't 
recommend treating a positive bull. One is the drugs are illegal in the United States. and Which is a pretty good reason. And, and, and it's actually an important reason. Uh, this is a regulatory important distinction that these are really not acceptable drugs to use in the United States. And then the other reason is the success rate in other parts of the world is, you know, 50% or so. And this is too important of a disease to risk, you know, treatment failure. So no, we're not going to recommend any treatments for a positive bull. So if the bull is positive, he's gone. Right. No questions asked, regardless of his value. Totally agree. Yeah. So now if I... My scenario I gave you, one's positive, two are negative. One of those that's negative is the one that I would like to keep. Okay. There's a few things we can do. We can do some multiple testing to see if he stays negative, meaning that as soon as he, if he comes positive on any of these tests, then same answer as before. He's, he, he goes to slaughter. If he's negative on several tests, uh, that surprises me. I'm not 100% convinced that he really is negative. And we have worked with clients where this is the scenario and what we would, if I cannot talk them into calling this bull because of his value, we will create a dirty herd, a closed dirty herd, put him with some cows and see how that breeding season goes. And then I let the diagnostic test of a breeding season really determine whether he's positive or negative. So do those cows get pregnant and maintain that pregnancy through exactly gestation? And so if you put him with a handful of cows and they all get pregnant or 90% of them get pregnant and they stay pregnant and have no signs of the disease, then probably he really is negative. But that's a dirty herd. It's separate from the rest. There's no movement of animals in and out of that herd. It's it's a special situation. I try to avoid that as an option for people because usually a bull can be replaced with another bull of equal or greater value. We do have options in those different scenarios. So as, as we talking about bulls here, and, and we've highlighted that bulls are the main carrier, especially year to year. Now, there are some cows that could carry it from year to year, but really it's bulls that are the culprit. I've also seen some things talking about younger bulls, potentially versus older bulls. Do you see a distinction there between age groups in in problems with trick? You'll see that in some of the textbooks. I'm not as convinced that the research really bears that out. There might be a slightly lower risk in young bulls, but it may have to do with just the number of cows they're breeding, the number of exposures they possibly have. So I don't make a lot of distinction based on age. I think a bull in a positive pasture is considered positive regardless of his age. Okay. So your control strategies for this, you're going to have me call the bulls. Yes. What about on the cow side? All cows that are open are culled. All cows that fail to, if I called her pregnant at preg check time, but then she failed to calve, so she lost her calf somewhere over there, she's gone too. So I'm rigorously getting rid of, because the chance that that cow was uh, trick positive is pretty high since she lost the calf. So almost all infected cows will abort their calf. And when I say almost all, almost 100%. It is very rare for a infected cow to actually maintain that pregnancy and have a live calf. So your diagnostic test for the cows is she's she pregnant, she brought us a calf. Yes, that is a pretty good diagnostic test. It's, it is rarely wrong. So, so give me some, we're talking in this case, 40% open. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take that hit all this year. Is there a downside to me keeping those cows and maybe a fall herd? If I was a spring herd, put them into a fall herd. Will they be will they be cleared to start breeding right now? Okay, so 
couple of things, and, and we've kind of alluded to it, but I want to clarify. The bull is basically considered uh, positive for life. So a positive tested bull is considered positive for life. There may be exceptions, but let's not worry about the exceptions and just say a bull that's infected will be infected for the rest of his life. For cows, that's not true. She'll be infected for a number of weeks or even a couple of months, uh, several months, but she's probably not infected for life. That is not considered. But with a lot of diseases, we go, oh, well, awesome. So she built immunity, so she's not going to have this problem again. Right. This is a disease where immunity is not nearly as helpful. And, and you think about it, it's a surface protozoa. So there's two things I said there. I said it's a protozoa. We don't have good vaccines and good immunity against protozoa. And it's on the surface of the body. It's not really invading into the body. And therefore, our immune system doesn't really have a good chance to fight it off. So that's, that's a challenge in that a cow that aborted in the past is no more protected than a completely naive cow the next breeding season. So it doesn't add protection to the herd and you don't develop a herd immunity with this disease like you do with a lot of diseases. So there's no real reason for me to keep them other than from an economic standpoint. It's hard to do that, but maybe give me something on the bright side. If I get rid of all, all the bulls and I get rid of all those open cows, how long is it going to take me to work out of this problem? So if I follow your recommendations, are we, are we still years away from a solution or where are we? You're exactly right in that this is the bright side of this disease. As devastating and as big of a hit it can have on a ranch, we can clean this problem up in one fail swoop. You go through and you get rid of all the bulls that could be infected. You get rid of all the cows that could be infected. And almost, you know, almost 100% of the time, we have eliminated the problem from the herd. That's why if you're pretty aggressive, then next year we are, we are back to the 92 plus percent breed up that we would expect in this the herd. The times I've seen it hang on, and you and I both have, have done that, is where we've kept around some of the animals instead of getting rid of them to try to mitigate. And, and it's a real issue is the cash flow, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the cash flow on some of these is really challenging. So you try to keep some of those and then this thing lingers on for a couple years or moves. This scenario that we outlined, there were multiple herds. Yeah, You don't want it to move between those. What do I do with those other two herds? Well, and that's be aware. Now it's in the vicinity. It's in the operation. I really want to, and this is where some good record keeping, but even better, you know, really good memories. Did any cattle move from any of these you know, pastures. You say there are three separate pastures, but a lot of times a cow gets moved or a bull gets moved. And even though the other two pastures had a good breed up, what if a positive male or female entered that herd late in the breeding season? So the breed up was still pretty good, but now I've got infected bulls. Uh, I wasn't worried about that pasture. And so next year I get a full-blown problem in a different pasture. So I, back to your question of what do I do with those other two herds? I consider them at risk, potentially exposed. There's no evidence that Trick is in the herd right now, but they're on the same operation, so they get some real scrutiny. So that's where I would do some diagnostic testing of the bulls, and that's where you know people are aware of kind of the three negative tests at weekly intervals. I would implement that in those herds that could have been exposed but had a good breed up. Yeah, and you'd be fine if in those other herds – if the bull tested negative, if all the bulls tested negative three times in a row, you'd say, okay, you can keep those bulls. Yeah, I would agree with that because I have no evidence that they were really part of the problem. Yep. But I would be pretty aggressive on culling open cows, which I typically am anyway. But if I'm at all concerned about trick, I'm going to cull all open cows 
and do some sort of aggressive testing on the bulls. Yep, absolutely. And so how, how did it get in this herd, if you had to guess? All right, there's, there's really only two ways. Either an infected bull crossed a fence or was purchased and brought into the herd, or an infected cow came into the herd, or my bull crossed a fence, uh, bred an infected cow on another premises, and then came back to my herd. So basically, again, it's a venereal disease. It had to be, it's not going uh, through air, it's not going through water, it is going through mating. And so mating animals had to have, a positive mating animal had to come into contact with my herd. Yeah, and you, you and I have also been through some of these, and it, it's very hard to figure out exactly where it came from in some of those herds, but we know it was one of those two mechanisms. Exactly. So you've highlighted a lot of control mechanisms, a lot of things to think about as you go through the process, and there are some intricacies with this decision, and I know you've been part of a group that has looked at creating a tool to work through diseases like trick. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we actually worked with a, uh, some, some of us at K-State, worked with some researchers and faculty folks at other universities, and came up with what we call the Trick Consult. And it is an online tool, which is really supposed to mimic the conversation that uh, a veterinarian would have, you know, if they called up to the university and talked to somebody that had spent a lot of time working with Trick. It kind of mimics that conversation. So you start with, well, why do you think you might have Trick? What, you know, what are the symptoms? And you could go through the different scenarios that you just discussed. So what's my first step? Well, test the bulls. If they're positive, what do I do? Well, cull those bulls, cull open cows. And it, it walks you through those. It even has the potential where it, it's, it, you get different answers based on the earlier answers to questions you get. So it, it allows you to kind of say, well, maybe an, a, an adjacent pasture or a pasture on our operation was positive, but I had a good breed up in this pasture. What do I do there? It allows you to walk through those. So it's it's really a good tool for making, asking questions and answering those questions that are specific for a specific operation. Then when you get to the end, you can print it off and basically you've got kind of a control program for your herd. And even though, like I said, if I was to write a textbook chapter, I would say call all bulls that are you know potentially infected and call all open cows. You gave me a scenario where a client is really pushing back. Well, in this trick consult we talk about it's not recommended to keep some of those open cows or to keep some bulls that could be exposed but if you did how would you set up one of these kind of confined isolated dirty herds and and it allows you to at least explore that opportunity it warns you that this is probably not ideal but walks you through what is even possible yeah absolutely and i like that kind of process that you work through doing a little back and forth and able to account for some of those situational dependencies. So where your situation might be different than mine, I might make a different decision or the level of risk that you're kind of willing to live with, willing to accept as you, as you go forward, because it also provides you some, yes, this will help take care of this problem. Or if you do this, you're going to be living with this problem for a while. Exactly. And, and where can we find more information on the trick consult or trick in general? All right. So we can link that uh, to this podcast, but you can also go to the BCI website and under the educational modules, there's the trick consult and it has a lot of good information just built right into that uh, tool. Yep, absolutely. It's got some feedback, got some links to some other things, other information. Well, thanks for sharing with us. Good information on trick today and appreciate you joining us. Thank you.